Pour out your spirit upon us, O God, with your word, enlighten us. Open our ears, open our minds, open our hearts, so that we might live in hope. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our reading of the first 11 verses of the fifth chapter of Romans has been described as a, a bridge. It's a bridge between the first four chapters and the next four. With this bridge, Paul summarizes the past, the present, and future aspects of new life of reconciliation and righteousness. That is, the result of God's gracious love of sinful humanity demonstrated in Christ's death. So listen now for the word of God. Therefore, since we have been made righteous through his faithfulness, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have access by faith into this grace in which we stand through him. And we boast in the hope of God's glory. But not only that, we even take pride in our problems because we know that trouble produces endurance. Endurance produces character and character produces hope. This hope doesn't put us to shame because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. While we were still weak, at the right moment, Christ died for ungodly people. It isn't often that someone will die for a righteous person, though maybe someone might dare to die for a good person, but God shows his love for us because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So now that we have been made righteous by his blood, we can be even more certain that we will be saved from God's wrath through him. If we were reconciled to God through the death of his son while we were still enemies, now that we have been reconciled, how much more certain is it that we will be saved by his life? And not only that, we even take pride in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the one through whom we now have a restored relationship with God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Well, Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Do you remember Stuart Smalley? He was a Saturday Night Live character who made that comedian Al Franken famous. Back in the 80s, way before Franken was elected a United States Senator from Minnesota, you may have seen him on those hearings, Franken would appear on that late night Saturday show as Stuart Smalley. The catchphrase that came up over and over was a timidly expressed, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. <laughs> he was kind of making fun of the self-help programs and shows. Well, part of why it was funny is that Stuart Smalley clearly did not believe it. I think the re reason that that catchphrase caught on is that many, many people do not believe Many people do not believe that they are good enough or smart enough or that people like them. 
Here's the problem. Try as we might to not know them, and we do, we know a lot more about our own shortcomings, our own inadequacies, our own problems, our mistakes about ourselves than we generally want to admit. Most of us know that we are not good enough, especially good enough to be loved by Almighty God, and yet, and yet we are. And that is why we focus today on this amazing passage in Romans. In his letter to the Christians in Rome, Paul explains how Jesus redeems humanity, not by rewarding people for obeying the rules, but through establishing a relationship based on trust alone. We have a special name for that trusting relationship. We call it faith. Now, Paul begins by saying that because we have been put in a right relationship with God by God's faithfulness, you see, it's not by good works, but by God's faithfulness. Because of that, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Faith, that is, trusting God, that's what gives us access to God's grace. No matter how hard, how earnestly we try, we simply cannot accumulate enough enough bonus points, enough merit badges, enough anything to earn that grace. It's a gift freely given from God. Now, after proclaiming that free gift, Paul affirms that the Christian life is no cruise on a luxury ship with an all-day buffet and delights with no charge. <laughs> Would you like some more? <laughs> it's not that way. Like everyone else, believers have troubles, but Paul says... We can even consider the problems a blessing because we know that trouble produces endurance. I read that the Greek word that Paul used means a lot more than endurance, that it's not the attitude that would passively endure or patiently put up with, but the kind of attitude that would overcome adversity, something more like fortitude. Endurance produces character. Character produces Hope that does not disappoint. The reason hope does not disappoint is it's based on God's love. Love that's been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Well, let me ask you about another fellow. Do you remember the name Thomas Edward Lawrence? Perhaps you do. He was a he was a British archaeologist, a military officer, and a diplomat and a writer. But these days, most people know him because of the classic movie made about his life, Lawrence of Arabia. By the way, in that movie, the actor who played Lawrence was the lanky, taller than me, six foot two, Peter O'Toole. But the real life Lawrence of Arabia was five foot five. Power comes in all kinds of size packages, right? <laughs> in his commentary on Romans, William Barclay, a wonderful professor, tells a story about T.E. Lawrence that in, in 1915, it's the days of World War I, or what they called the Great War, when he was 27, this fellow Lawrence was, he was on a group riding across the desert. When one of the riders noticed something, someone said, where's Jasmine? Now wait, I'll, let me interrupt myself. I know that many of you have seen too many 
Disney movies over and over and over, and you think of Jasmine as a woman's name, but it's sometimes a man's name, was in this case. In French, it's a man's name. Well, as I was saying, someone said, where's Jasmine? Another said, who is, who is Jasmine? And another one said, he's that yellow-faced man from Maine. And uh, he killed a Turkish tax, tax collector and fled to the desert. And the first guy said, no, look, Jasmine's camel has no rider. His rifle is strapped to the saddle, but Jasmine isn't there. And then another one said, someone shot him on the march. And a third guy said, he is not strong in the head. Perhaps he is lost in a mirage. Someone else said, he's not strong in body. Maybe he's fainted and fallen off his camel. And then the first guy says, what does it matter? Jasmine was not worth 10 pence. Now we would say 10 cents. And the Arabs hunched themselves up on their camels and rode on, but T.E. Lawrence turned and rode back the way he had come, all by himself alone in that blazing heat with a wind that felt like a flame. It was so hot and with the sand blowing. At the risk of his life, he went back. And after an hour and a half's ride, wouldn't you have given up in about an hour or a half hour? An hour and a half back. He saw something against the sand, and there's Jasmine, blind with all the sand blowing in his face, almost mad with the heat and the thirst, essentially being murdered by the desert. Lawrence lifted him up onto his camel, gave him some of the last drops of the precious water they were running out of, and slowly plodded back to the company. Well, when he came to them, the Arabs looked in amazement and said, Here's Jasmine. Jasmine not worth ten pence, saved by, at his own risk by Lawrence, our Lord. Well, Professor Barclay says that this story is a parable that reminds us that Jesus did not just die for the good, the best, the most worthy. He died for sinners. For all of us, even people that other people don't work, think are worth 10 cents. Jesus died for people, even people about whom Hal Franken's character Stuart would eat, wouldn't say are good enough or smart enough or even likable enough. Barclay says that Jesus changes both our status and our state. Our status has been changed from sinner to saved. So now we have a right relationship with God. Our state is changed because Jesus goes on by grace to enable you and me to become better people, better disciples. Well, they, both these changes have fancy theological names. Going, gaining peace with God is called justification. And becoming true followers of Jesus, doing what he taught us to do, following his commands, it's called sanctification. And it's why I refer to you guys as saints, even though you may not always feel saintly. Because that's our job. Well, sometimes people see God as described in the Old Testament, especially as angry and demanding, pointing a finger. And so they prefer the gentle, loving Jesus of the New Testament. But here's the truth. 
Jesus did not come to change an angry God's attitude towards humans. He came to change humans to show us that what the truth has always been, is now and ever shall be, that God is love. In fact, God so loved the world, he, he gave his only son for everyone who believes in him won't perish, but will have eternal life. And for that we can say, thanks be to God. You and I are witnesses of our Lord Jesus Christ who rose from the dead, who sits at the right hand of God in glory, who sends the Holy Spirit to empower us for service in his name. So now may the grace of God the Father bless you with peace. May the love of Jesus Christ sustain you in joy, and may the power of the Holy Spirit fill you with hope this day and forevermore. Amen.